0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Galen McDowell and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. Uh, We're in the midst of wrapping up the series on Christian healing. I've been off for a couple of weeks. I had to go speak at some conferences and take a little time off. So I'm here today to wrap up this book Christian Healing by Charles Fillmore. I hope that it's been a great read for you all and I hope that you have actually uh, started to work with some of the principles or all of the principles or the principles that you feel as though you need to focus on in the book. It's a really good fundamental book, and I wanted to make sure that uh, people who followed along with this series by reading the book and following along with the with the broadcast would be able to uh, get the basic primary principles of healing. And here's the thing about Principles of healing. If you haven't realized it yet, the principles of spiritual healing are the principles of understanding who you are spiritually. So, what Charles Fillmore is actually actually did in this book is basically teach the fundamental principles of new thought, especially in the early chapters when he talked about uh, when he wrote about the true character of being, meaning you know what does new thought primarily teach about God and beings perfect idea what does new thought primarily teach about humankind etc he talked about how to uh, the formative power of thought and how to control thoughts and how to use the power of words and how to pray pray and praise and how to use your faith and imagination etc etc what he's doing is showing people how to get in alignment with the truth that they already are You know, one of the statements that I uh, was saying over and over again during this uh, series that we did at Christ Universal Temple called The Four Stages of Healing, where I did the first two lessons while uh, Reverend Wells was away, um, I kept saying to the congregation, you can be healed because you are a spiritual being. And I think that's really where it has to sit. You can be healed because you are a spiritual being. And really understanding that concept. I can be healed because I am a spiritual being. We get really caught up in the thinking that, um, that we are limited to our perception of who we think we are physically or our past or our uh, upbringing, our family environment, our race, our gender, our nationality. I'm not saying you're not those things or a, Originally, you are a spiritual being. Your primary nature is spiritual. Your original nature is spiritual. Therefore, you can be healed because you are a spiritual being. Now, today we're talking about love, which is chapter 12 in the book Christian Healing. And in my book is page 130. So let's get right to it. And remember that if you want to call in and ask questions while I'm covering this series, now's the time to do it. I'm not doing another show on Christian healing um, anytime soon. So make sure if you have a question, make sure this is the time you actually ask it. You can call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. All right, page 130. All right, he starts off by quoting a scripture uh, about love from 1 John. First uh, uh, John, I believe it's 1 John chapter 4. He doesn't give the scripture reference. But anyway, the first paragraph says, love in divine mind is the idea of universal unity. We normally say oneness in, in the universal foundation for better living, but it's the same thing. Love in divine mind is the idea of universal unity. So, first of all, we have to realize that love transcends what we call emotion. Love is more than emotion, love is the idea of universal unity or oneness. What does that mean? It means. And he explains, in expression, love is the power that joins and binds in divine harmony the universe and everything in it. So love is that which makes all things one. It it, it also binds things in divine harmony. So when love is present, harmony is present. What do I mean love is present? Love is omnipresent just like God because God is love. What I mean by that is when love is present in consciousness, when love is present as an awareness, when love is being thought and felt, and most importantly, when love is being expressed, harmony is also being expressed. He goes on to say, among the faculties of mind, love is pivotal. Its center of mentation in the body is the cardiac plexus. The physical representation of love is the heart, the office of which is to equalize the circulation of the blood in the body. As the heart equalizes the life flow of the body, so love harmonizes the thoughts of the mind. So let me stop right here because, again, this is a part of Charles Fillmore teaching his concept about uh, spiritual faculties not only just being ideas in spirit, and mental faculties, but also uh, places where we can focus on in the body to bring forth or um, activate or further express that particular attribute. So, based upon his concept and the concept of many mystical traditions, the love center is connected to the heart. And it doesn't make a difference if you're studying um, the the 12 powers of man, which is what he teaches, or the chakra system, or you go and learn some of the Taoist systems of energy movement with the chi, et cetera, and some of the other brands or versions of energy manipulation. Universally, the heart is considered the love center. I've yet to run across a mystical tradition that said different. Differently. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't exist. I just haven't run across them. So by focusing on that center and thinking thoughts of love and affirming words of love, uh, we actually express and activate it more. Uh, some some places or tradition actually have you do breathing meditations and movements and visualizations on that area to expand the concept of love, not just in mind, but also in the body. Um, You know, I remember doing some different type of trainings where, you know, where we actually would breathe and sometimes just lay on the floor and relax and allow that energy to express and visualize it going out through the body. It was very, um, it was beautiful and it felt great. And I'm just using that as an example because as we start to connect spirit, soul, body consciously, because they're already connected, but consciously, you get the harmony of what's happening spiritually flowing through the soul into the body. But also he wrote that love harmonizes the thoughts of the mind. So when the mind is, is chaotic, that means love isn't present. Because love harmonizes thought. See, one of the things that I really believe in is something that William Warch wrote in the book New Thought Christian. And I've written about it before. I've talked about it on the show before. Under the chapter, how do, how do you find balance? Well, he basically says anywhere we have, quote unquote, uh, less developed faculty, say for instance, you know, love isn't as developed or faith isn't as developed or wisdom isn't as developed that maybe it could be. We revert to emotionalism. So when we are quick to become emotional and dismiss critical thinking, dismiss logic, um, start to respond in ways that are not necessarily for our highest good, start to say things that possibly we'll regret later, that means that in that area of life, we lack maturity. Spiritual maturity. I'm not talking about human maturity. Spiritual maturity, because if that love was developed, if that wisdom was developed, if that divine order was developed in consciousness, the response would be different. And people will sometimes allow uh, energy to dissipate when it doesn't have a focus. You know? Um, some of the things that have been going on um, in the country for the last couple of months with, um, you know, national or racial turmoil and police and all type of things of that nature. Um, and before that, with, you know, uh, Wall Street and things of that nature had a lot to do with the effectiveness or lack of effectiveness it had many times to do with the focus. Can this particular group? Can this particular message stay on task? Can we direct this energy, this emotion to the outcome that we desire? And, you know, something and, and and many times if the mind can stay on a thing and keep the emotional energy on a thing that you want to demonstrate, you'd be surprised what can happen. You know, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm not saying this for you to agree or disagree. Because, you know, I'm not seeking anybody's um, approval. Who would have thought a year ago that they would have been removing the the flag of uh, the Confederate flag off of the capital of South Carolina? That would have been unheard of. The But the mind and the groups of the folks who, based upon what happened at that church and based upon some of the things that have been going on, felt that look across the board, white, black, Hispanic, etc., Asian this is something that we feel that, though that needs to happen in this state. And they made it happen What the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. Anyway, moving right along. The book goes on to say on page one thirty, we connect our soul forces with whatever we center our love upon. And I thought about that for a moment. Like, okay, what if love harmonizes if love binds, what am I harmonizing and binding myself to? I'm, you know, because love is so strong, whatever I love, I connect myself to. And sometimes we have to be mindful that love and wisdom are packaged deals. You know, metaphysically, um, at least how it's taught in the uh, unity brand of metaphysics, uh, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, to be specific. Uh, John son of Zebedee represents love and James son of Zebedee represents wisdom or good judgment they're brothers and what that tells us is that they're closely related and should work together matter of fact even in the body the heart and the pit of the stomach which is basically the heart, John pit of the stomach, wisdom or judgment is, is Uh, they're very closely related. And sometimes that which affects the stomach, people think affects the heart. Um, You know, something could be going on in the stomach area and people think this is their chest and obviously vice versa because they're closely related. And we need to be mindful of that. Very mindful. What am I putting? Let me put it this way. Whatever I'm putting my consciousness towards, I'm putting my soul forces towards, not just love. The energy of who I am is getting attention, is giving attention to something. Not only is it giving attention to something, is giving intention to something. And according to our beliefs, according to where we put our attention and intention, be it done unto us. So let's be very mindful of that. He says, if we love the things of sense or materiality, we're joined or attached to them through a fixed law of being. So when we allow ourselves to get, to, to, to attach ourselves to things that are not necessarily beneficial to our soul growth, we need to be mindful that we have to get the effects of that cause. It's just something to think about. Now, one of the things that, when he says materiality, he's not talking about uh, you're materialistic like you know you know people try to say about people who like nice stuff or like to dress nice or drive nice or live in nice places. When we when a new thought person is talking about materialistic, being materialistic, that means being attached to form, not to the cause, not to the idea, not to spirit, not to the source. This is why. For instance, many times um, new thought ministers and teachers will say, God is the source of my supply, my job or my business or my building or my whatever is a channel. The reason why that is stated so strongly over and over again is because we don't ever want to fall in, quote unquote, in love only with something that is temporal. God has many ways to bless us. The question comes into play is, am i think am i am i making the job or the significant other or the business or the investment the source of my supply no it's a conduit it's a vessel it's a channel for the supply the supply comes from and is god and god not only is the omnipresent intelligence of the universe god is also the true nature of your being that's what we really have to land. So, in the book, when he says on page one thirty-one, "Go to the mount like Moses." The mount is a high place of high is a, is the place of high understanding or spiritual consciousness. He's saying that make sure that our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs, our actions, our words, etc., are being driven from a higher place in consciousness. So, the things that we're doing aren't aren't soul harmony. So everything we do, whether it's the job, whether it's the relationship, whether it's the family structure, whether it's the business, whether it's the uh, things we like to volunteer and do, et cetera, et cetera, uh, even right down to the classes we take if we're in school, are in alignment with where the Spirit of God within you is leading you. But the only way you can know that is to go to the mount, to go to the mountain in consciousness which, again, he talks about being the apex of the brain, which I talked about in great detail in the Spirituality and Praise um, podcast. Go back and listen to that for greater detail. So we're coming up on our first break. I want to remind you that this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, go to unity.fm, click the Donate button, and help support this online ministry. Um, We appreciate all of the support that we can get from you, and we know that we're making a difference in the world. Thank you, and God bless you. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
0: Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
3: you for tuning in to truth transforms now here's your host reverend galen mcdowell
2: welcome back to truth transforms all right we're on page 131 and charles fillmore goes into uh what i think is really the essence of the jesus teachings on love what does it mean from a higher perspective he says in the regeneration, which is a larger conversation, I don't want to get into, but basically says in this. Just look at it from this context only, as at when we are really awakened to who we are spiritually, when we really are on the conscious path of being a, a powerfully aware spiritual being. He says. Oh, he wrote, Our love goes through a transformation which broadens, strengthens, and deepens it. Again, our love goes through a transformation which broadens, strengthens, and deepens it. We no longer confine love to family, friends, and personal relations, but expand it to include all things. All things. See, it's easy to love people who show you love. It's easy to love people who, who have nourished you, helped develop you, supported you, fed you, clothed you, um, helped you in any way, shape, or form. It's easy to love people that are nice to you. But when you start talking about the teachings of Jesus, when you really start talking about love is an idea in divine mind. Then we have to go beyond family, friends, and personal relationships, and expand it to include all things. This is why, um, this is I believe, in my personal opinion, why Jesus, as recorded in the Gospels, was so well loved by what they called at that time the common people, the, the quote-unquote sinners, the quote-unquote backsliders, the quote-unquote harlots and all the other people and criminals and whatever, because he could see beyond what they were, the choices they were making and still love them. Many times, you know, it people don't love outside of tribalism. What do I mean by that? That which I agree with, that which is a part or connected to me. So it's my tribe versus your tribe, my gender versus your gender, my race versus your race, my nation against your nation, my fraternity or sorority against yours, my school versus yours, uh, my church versus yours, my city versus yours, my religion versus yours, tribalism, tribalism. But love says that my daughter who, who lives in Chicago, who's almost 16, God, has has rights. I want those same rights for 16-year-old girls in Afghanistan. That's love. That the fact that they don't have rights to proper education and upward mobility matters to me because love says they should have those rights as well. Love says that I want justice for all people in all circumstances. Love says God is on both sides of the table. Let's work this out. Love says I can disagree with you. I don't have to reconcile with you. I don't have to see you. I don't have to be around you. And I'm still going to think right about you in my consciousness, even as I disagree with you. Love says, as Jesus so eloquently uh, stated in the Sermon on the Mount, I can even pray for people who are working against me. Now, how about that? As, I've, as I say to my classes all the time, when was the last time you prayed for someone, not about someone you thought was against you? you no, know, we'll pray about somebody in a heartbeat. Or we'll pray about that family member or friend or, or who we feel as though needs, you know, quote-unquote, the salvation of the Lord, needs to wake up, needs to get clean, needs to do right or whatever. But pray for their highest and and best, to behold the truth of God in them, to, to see love and peace and harmony beyond what they're expressing. I remember years ago, um, um, Ayala Zahn came to Christ Universal Temple, and she the, just the, one of the statements that she made was that um, some people are very clever in hiding their divinity. It was a joke of saying some people who are, are not aware of their divinity, not aware of who they are spiritually, and therefore it takes a lot of work to see it in them. But that's my job because if I am a person who has been exposed to this teaching that says there's a higher way there's a way to see God first in myself as we were saying in New Thought I behold the Christ in myself then I can behold the Christ in you not I behold Jesus in me and I behold Jesus in you Christ is God's idea of itself Christ come from Christos uh, meaning anointed I see the anointing. I see the light within me. Therefore, I can see the light in you. I can't see something in you that I don't, I can't see in myself. I can't see wholeness in you when I don't believe I'm whole. I can only see from where I am. I can't. I don't See, that's my context, and it's yours too. We all have them, and we see from it, not just through it. We see from it. So when I start from the premise that I am a spiritual being, therefore I can be healed, I am a spiritual being, I'm whole and complete, I am a spiritual being, God's health is my health, I am a spiritual being, God is the source of my supply, I am a spiritual being, peace is my birthright, then from that space, I can interact with you. From that space, I can see. And from that space, I attract like-minded individuals. It's amazing that people who get in trouble are always attracting troublesome circumstances and people. And some people seem to have the Midas touch. But those who are unaware, because you know, I realize this show goes many places. Uh, Midas, my well, Midas touch from the story of King Midas, and everything he touched turned to gold. He had a wish that was granted. And everything he touched turned to gold, which ended up being actually a story of greed. Because (laughs) even people he touched and everything he loved touched turned to gold. Uh, But anyway, moving on, the book goes on to say, the denial of human relationships seems at first at first glance to be the repudiation of the family group, but it is merely a cleansing of the mind from the limited ideas of love when the This faculty would satisfy itself solely by means of human kinship. So it seems as though we're denouncing the people that we love the most, but no, we're removing the belief that our love can only be focused on them to expand it to uh, the greater love, or I would say true or pure love. Then he goes on to say, if God is the father of all, then men and women are brothers and sisters in a universal family. This is, I think, is one of the ways Jesus taught the universal concept of humanity in the Lord's Prayer. It starts off with "Our Father," not a white, black, Jewish, uh, Arab, uh, you know, Asian, Hispanic, Polynesian father, not gender father not economic status or caste system father our father that by itself teaches oneness we're all connected through something our father he goes on to say And he who sees spiritually should open his heart and cultivate that inclusive love which God has given as the unifying element in the human family. Again, that what is it that connects all of creation? And specifically in this context, human beings. Love. 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 How I love says more about me than anything else in other words it's not just about me and what affects me is this the right thing to do is this the right position to have if I really believe in universal oneness see see that's the thought see it's easy to allow other people to determine how we act Uh, one of the things that uh, one of my favorite books is a a book called The Success Principles. I mentioned it it on this show before by Jack Canfield. And in the first chapter, Take 100% Responsibility for Your Life, he teaches a concept he calls E plus R equals O. And it means event plus response equals outcome. So there's an event. Somebody does something. Some experience happens. It's an event. Then, then, you have your response which determines the outcome for you what it means for you how you will handle it events happen people say stuff sometimes what the world calls tragedies happen sometimes you get blindsided sometimes Things don't go the way you planned. Sometimes people are not going to like you just because they don't like your face. You just showed up. Why Why don't you like me? I don't know. Just don't. But you determine your response. Only you get to determine your response. That is the space of complete freedom and total responsibility. Only you get to determine your response. How will you respond? Will you respond with love? Will you respond with wisdom? Will you respond with understanding? Will you respond with power? Sometimes that's necessary too. Power not manipulating other people but I mean standing up and knowing who you are in any given experience. But you determine your response. E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. So we have to be mindful about how we respond. Am I responding with love? Am I responding with integrity? Am I responding with honesty? It matters. It goes on. The book goes on to say Just to the extent that we separate ourselves into families, cliques, and religious factions, we put away God's love. So at the moment, you know, I can love my folks but not your folks. The moment I start drawing uh, lines metaphorically in the sand, there's us and them, you and me, then at that point, I'm pushing myself further and further away from the universal love of God he goes on to say unless there's a specific denial along every line of human thought bondage one will still be under the law of sense in other words we're being driven by our ego needs and five and our five senses no other way to say it we're being driven by our ego needs in our five senses. Uh, Eckhart Tolle explains this better than anybody I've ever run across uh, other than um, Gary Simmons, who I think is uh, just a genius uh, for the book, The Eye of the Storm. So we have about three minutes before the last break. Uh, I do want to mention that. Uh, do I have a caller? Oh, okay. Um, I do want to mention that the next book I'm going to teach is The Eye of the Storm, the I, capital I, not E-Y-E, The Eye of the Storm by Gary Simmons. Uh, This is a Unity book. You can order it through Unity. You can order it on Amazon.com. If you live in Chicago, you can stop by Christ Universal Temple and pick it up if that's your choice. Uh, This is one of my favorite books, like top five. And I thought I was going to teach some other stuff, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but it dawned on me that, um, one, I want to read and work with the book again myself. So for me, it's really important to say, let me take time to do this. Um, Next week, I'll be at the Panorama of Truth Conference um, in Jamaica for the Universal Foundation for Better Living, and I'll be there for several days. So I won't have a show for the next two weeks. But uh, this gives you ch- a chance to actually get the book and start doing some uh, reading on it. It gives you an opportunity to order the book. Uh, I'll be there for for you know over a week. so I won't be able to do the show next Wednesday or the Wednesday after, but the show will come back on August 19th yeah. So I know that for some of you all, that'll be a little while because obviously I just missed two weeks, but you know, I have other responsibilities as well. Um, so anyway, I want to make sure that, you know, to get the books, the book is the, at least the version I have is 1395, go online, look it up um, again, as I stated before, uh, this book is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Hands down, one of the best books. And the concept of it, or the subtitle is Embracing Conflict, Creating Peace. And we're going to really drill down on it. He deals with the, uh, the, the, the paradox of uh, spirituality versus ego-driven needs and wants as well as anybody I've ever seen. And in New Thought, I think, far as the books I've read, I think he's the best person. Um, it's, it's, it's just genius work. And I don't know the man. I've only met him once, briefly, in Unity Village. Um, so, anyway, we're coming up on our last break. Again, if you want to call in, call at 888 558 So let's take this last break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
3: Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity Online Radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it. And according to Yogis and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious with enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell, If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms.
2: All right, welcome back. We have Reverend Bobby on the line. Reverend Bobby, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm excellent, excellent, excellent. Do you have a question or a comment?
1: Well, it's kind of a comment because you were talking a little while ago about um, uh, healing and principle and love. And when you adhere uh, to principle, basically, it brings you back into alignment with your spiritual self where these, uh, what, error thoughts and, and, and illusionary things clear up. Uh, and how important love love is to that, and I was just wondering, could you expound a little bit on how you know, love binds it all and brings it all back together?
2: Well, well, well. Thank you, thank you for the question. Well, I think one of the things that we talk about with love is how it it harmonizes, it binds, it cements. But the other thing that it does is that it it attracts. Love attracts. So when we talk about holding something together. For instance, mm-hmm. uh, let's use a, a very, very human example. Say, for instance, there's a grandmother in a family that make sure that the make sure that the family stays together. That makes sure that that you know when you do wrong, you don't want grandmama to know. She she's the standard right. bearer. She's the example. She's the person who gives the wisdom. And I've seen time after time when that central figure the cement the person who attracts all the the various parts of people in the family together, the person that binds and harmonizes and keeps the peace when family members go off or whatever that person calls you and you get yourself together when that person makes their transition the family uh, starts to disperse there's no central oh idea, there's no central person that's keeping it all together well, when we have in consciousness the idea of love, it harmonizes, it binds, it seames, and it tra- attracts all the things that make the system, in this sense, ourselves work in harmony. And when that mm-hmm. idea of love is missing, then you know, powers off in this you know sense perceptions and. Divine orders yeah. are not in yeah. order, <laughs> you know, or as over, or yeah. as being, trying to be orderly in the wrong way, controlling other people, trying to make people toe the line, and, you know, sort of like that movie, um, Equilibrium with Christian Bale. Everybody had to dress right. the same. Everybody had to talk the same. Everybody had to read the same things, be educated the same way, etc. Yeah. I'm saying that because without the love component, even the other faculties can get out of alignment. Um, oh you know, yeah, they do. Right, so so it's really important for us to realize that that love is the central idea because it keeps all things together. So just like Big Mama keeps the family together, or or <laughs> or Papa keeps the family together, idea keeps. The consciousness of a person in harmony and in alignment with what needs to be done for that family, you know, you know, I've I've yeah. I've, I've jokingly said to people in my own family, um, they wouldn't be doing that if Grandmama was still alive. <laughs> oh, I know
1: because 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 we could we could extrapolate that out into a uh, shared experience, another one in our lives.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well no different. I know you're talking about uh, Reverend Coleman because Reverend yeah. Coleman, w- w- you know, and I think that the thing about it was the benefit of her was she was a big believer in duplicating herself. Well, everybody doesn't do she that. was. So, she so, was. She so, was. She so, was. She so, if you, if you hmm, caught that, that's the, that's the abundance and in the increase, duplicate yourself. <laughs> Right. So, in other words, without her being present, people who caught the vision can kill, still keep it together. And I think that's the reason why we've yeah. been able to do that, for instance. Yeah. Uh, it won't necessarily always look like the way she did it because she was a part of a time, an era, a generation, et cetera. But the central idea... Oh, but, it's,
1: but it's not going to because it moves and it bumps up, up up against what she set up and that's the next level of consciousness type of stuff.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, the, it's the central thing that keeps it all together. And I think mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. we have to be mindful of. Um, well I thank we, you so much Reverend Galen it's so,
1: it's so much fun to poke you and just have you just go on and tear I just love it
2: God bless you son <laughs> God bless you alright I, I, I'll see you Sunday <laughs> take care okay, man. I'll talk to you alright bye bye Um, I'm, I just realized that I have like a whole chapter to teach and I've only been teaching the first two pages but these first two pages especially page 131 really says so much on he quotes on the bottom of page uh, 131, top of page 132. Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brethren? And he who stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. But whosoever shall do the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and my sister and mother. He was basically saying in this context, people were trying to, uh, you know, people, somebody, some people stopped him from teaching. But they said, wait a minute, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters are here. And, you know, you know, wanted Jesus to stop what he was doing and acknowledge the importance of his family. And Jesus, like, hold up. Who is my mother? Who is my brothers? Who are my sisters? Depending on the translation. So, so what he's really saying, which is radical, is so radical is almost beyond most people's comprehension. That Jesus could see a stranger the same way he saw his mama. With the same level of love. The same level of love for a stranger. Or a so-called enemy that he would have for his own siblings. For most people, that is beyond the ability to comprehend. Can you imagine loving someone the same way you love your child? or your grandchildren. Can you imagine a stranger? You having the same level of affection, the same level of compassion, the same level of kindness, the same sense of oneness and connection that with a stranger that you have with a spouse or or well-loved significant other. That's the type of love Jesus taught I'll be the first to admit I'm not there I'm working Lord I'll be the first one to say that do I see you the same way I see my daughter no but I'm working but I don't see you the way I used to see you praise the Lord but what does it really mean to see oneness you know religious people have struggled with this even new thoughts struggle with it When Reverend Coleman was at Unity in the 1950s, early 1950s, early to mid-1950s, she was a black woman who couldn't stand on the campus. the, The organization teaching love, teaching empowerment, the divinity of humankind. And she had to drive an hour from Kansas City into Lee Summit, Missouri, because she was black. She couldn't stay on the campus with the other students who were part of the ministerial training program. And in 1955, she got fed up because she got caught in a flood and was late and her car got stopped and, you know, driving under in a lower part of the ground, you know, sometimes the road uh, goes on like by docks uh, certain areas and her car got stuck and she eventually ended up making it there. And she told him, look, you can have this. If you don't want to practice what you preach, if my skin color means more than the spirit of truth within me, then you can have this teaching. And her classmates came together and signed a petition for her to live on the campus, not with the rest of the students, not with the rest of the white students, but with, but off in some shack somewhere that she had to stay. My point of it is this it's easy to talk it, it's a different thing to walk it. And Reverend Coleman came and helped expose unity to the truth that you're not showing this when it comes to race. You might show it when it comes to gender, but not race. And that was a breakthrough. And then even after that, even after she was allowed to live on there, blacks couldn't swim in the swimming pool at unity. And one day she had a bunch of people. I'm not telling you what I've heard third and fourth hand. I'm telling you what came out of her mouth, that she brought a group of people down in Unity Village from her church. She had one of the, if not the largest, Unity Church. She shows up. She has all these kids with her. They want to swim in a swimming pool, and they're told they can't swim in a swimming pool because they're black. She told the people in Unity. The skin color is not going to come off in the water and push the kids into the water. Now, why is that important? It's important because what are you telling kids, the white kids and the black kids, that these kids can't swim in the swimming pool with you? It's easy to talk it. It's another thing to walk it. I'm bringing these stories up because Jesus' teachings transcend all of that nonsense. And even people who teach it at the highest level, like a new thought, like a unity. We struggle with the practice of it. We struggle with it because the human concepts, beliefs, and perceptions are so strong. We don't even realize it when we're being sexist, racist, prejudiced homophobic, and tribal, or whatever. We don't even realize when we're doing it. But what, is, what would love do in this situation? What does the idea of oneness and unity mean in this circumstance? What does it mean to leave no one out and be inclusive? What does that really look like? Fillmore says um, at the bottom of, um, well, let me skip over that because I have two minutes. Let me go to page 135, uh, bottom of page 134. Read that for yourself. What it says, charity is not love. I think it's a form of love. It's not the totality of love. You may be kind hearted and give to the poor and needy until you're impoverished, yet not acquire love. I do agree with that because why? He gives it in the next sentence. You may be a martyr to the cause of truth and consume your vitality and good works, yet be far from love. What in other words it says some people do things for different reasons. They're not motivated by love. Some people want to look good, some people do it out of guilt, some people feel as though this is what's expected of them. But coming from a pure space of love is different. He goes on to say, love is patient and never gets weary or discouraged. Love is always kind and gentle. It is not envy. Jealousy has no place in this world. Love never becomes puffed up with human pride and does not brag about itself. It is love that makes the refinement of the natural gentleman or lady, although he or she may be ignorant of the world standards of culture. Uh, love does not seek its own. Its own comes to it without being sought. Now, that's an aspect of your conscience. That does not mean that you won't seek good. That doesn't mean that you don't plan. That doesn't mean that you don't have goals. That doesn't mean anything. All it means is that's an aspect of your consciousness that needs to be refined and developed. Power, it projects. Love attracts. They both are needed. All right. Okay. And uh, then he talks about on page 135 about what does it mean to pray for your um, quote unquote enemies, et cetera, et cetera. And I've run out of time. So take a page, take uh, go to page 140 and 141, there are 13 statements. Take three of them and start affirming and working with them for the next week, uh, you know, a couple of times a day. Just pray affirm them over or write them down on a card or something or put them in your wallet or purse. Make it a screensaver. Make it a reminder on your phone or whatever. The idea behind it is to help help impress upon your subconscious mind the reminder, I need to be in the space of love. I need to be in the space of love. Again, I'll be off for the next couple of weeks, but I want you to make sure that you get the book, the eye of the storm. Do not just listen to this show. Get the book, the eye of the storm by Gary Simmons. We're going to teach it chapter by chapter until it is finished. God bless you, and I'll be with you in a, in, on August 19th with Truth Transforms.
3: Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, online at www.cutemple.org, and on Facebook and Twitter under Temple.